Welcome again to our frequent podcast called Wear Many Hats, inspired by Ethan Hawkey. Throughout the year, I, David Punter, the Business Development Director for Hawkey Cleaning and Support Services, shall be interviewing prominent facility management and procurement subject matter experts across a range of industry market sectors. It is these people with their wealth of knowledge and experience that will inspire the next generation of young professionals. Our objective is to share our guest stories and experiences to help motivate, engage and inspire others into the industry. Through Wear Many Hats podcast, we hope our listeners will gain new perspectives, insights and learn about strategies to develop their careers in the FM procurement business. It gives me great pleasure to introduce Jonathan Sims. And you're from? I'm the Chief Procurement Officer for Equons UK and Ireland. Fantastic. We, we welcome you um, here today for this uh, podcast. Um, so, Jonathan, without further ado, um, I'd like to just launch into some questions, really. Um, so, what was your journey um, to enter into a c- career of procurement? So I, um, my, mine was a, a, a bit of a, a not such a straightforward journey into procurement. So my background is a chartered surveyor. So straight from school, I joined the, the family business, which was a construction and maintenance business. Uh, and I was with the organization for about 10 years um, before um, part of that business was sold. And I uh, had to go and stand on my own two feet in the world. And I joined a, a company called Shepherd Group in a business development role. Uh, which was a, an M&E contractor uh, at the time, one of the largest privately owned uh, mechanical electrical contractors in Europe. Um, I had a few years in business development before I was sponsored to do my MBA, um, which was all about uh, uh, organisational culture and change, which springboarded me into a role in strategic projects. Okay. One of those strategic projects was to go and review the procurement function, uh, and pretty much the rest is history. Um, that, that catapulted me on really to uh, probably the last 10 or 12 years where I've just had increasingly more senior uh, procurement roles, range of PLCs, um, private businesses, onto uh, Equons about four and a half years ago. Okay. I mean, a very academic background. Um, so an interesting one as well, going from an account uh, an accountant role to um which tends to be a quite quiet back i don't want to mm. generalize but a mm. quiet back office role and stuff mm. to project it into a sales role mm. um that was quite a transition though wasn't it it was i mean the uh the the, the main i mean i was Fortunate to be given an opportunity at Shepherds by the exec business development director at the time. And I okay. think when he looked at my profile, the family business, we'd had about 98% of our uh, business with one client. And the role that I was going to, I was being interviewed for, um, was the key account management role for Costain. It was a £35 million a year account within the context of a £115 million business. So it felt like a good fit that I got that background of looking after one client very, very well. Okay. Um, but yeah, it was a stretch at the time. Uh, for sure. Yes, it's just an interesting uh, movement. That's all I, I just pick, picked up on there. Mm. Um, so what is it you now like about your procurement role? Um, predominantly for me, it's about the opportunity to develop people and, and, and talent. And that's something I'm really passionate about. And I think over the last four years, 
um, had some real successes within Equons, um, you know, rebuilt the, the senior leadership team for procurement, brought in some really dynamic talent, uh, strong apprentice commitment within the procurement line. Um, and that's a real passion for me, building, building people, developing, uh, developing people. people. So, in, so sorry, how, how big is your um, team that you look after at the moment? So we've got about 60 people in wow. the procurement line. Okay. Um, we look after spend of about 1.8 billion. And uh, within those 60 people, there are people that are being uh, apprentices, being mentored through the process as as well as more senior people? Yeah, very much so. So we've got um, everything from uh, apprentices that are are sort of forging their first steps in in procurement uh, through to we've got people on PhDs, MBAs. Uh, and the majority of our uh, individuals are encouraged to do SIPs uh, and, 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 and get charter status. Okay. Um, and do you take an active role in mentoring aspects, uh, pe- people within the team? Yeah, very much so. So I'm an active uh, mentor on our Women in Leadership program, okay. which is something that recently we've launched to to really um, springboard female talent within the organisation. So I'm, I'm really passionate about that. And, Fantastic. Uh, and, and that's been really beneficial for me as well from a, a, a you know a, a reverse mentoring perspective. That's great. No, that's uh, it's very it's commendable. Um, and and in what industry? Just so that our listeners have a little bit more understanding about uh, your current role in your current business. In in what industry uh, um, does your your company work in? So predominantly in the UK, we're uh, we, we we're split into two primary divisions. So okay. we we consider ourselves to be sort of leaders in technical services, FM, uh, and regeneration. Um, and we're really targeting the three main transitions, which is industrial, energy, and digital. Okay, right. So, fully understood. Thank you for that. Um, and and which skills um, are required to do your job? Would you say? I mean, I would say um, transferable skills. Look, because of my own background, clearly. But, but we have a we have a we have some pure uh, sort of procurement thoroughbreds that have, have have never really held any other roles in, than procurement, but just progressed all the way through various different roles. Okay. But with some of our apprentices that we brought in recently, a master's degree students that have done law degrees. Right. So for me, it's 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 just business acumen. Um, and individuals that are very, very people orientated, very stakeholder focused, um, and want to make a difference. And to be honest, I'm very, very open on on on, on, on that. That's a broad church, isn't it? Mm, very much so. I mean, you've got a a, 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 a wide team there as well. So um, you're 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 covering a lot of the bases, I would imagine mm. there. So, and. Um, you know what? If I was to someone was to ask, you know, what skills are required for your job? Um, I mean, analytical skills okay. uh, would be would be uh, uh, one of the top ones on my list. We we are a function of finance within uh, Equon, so I report directly to the CFO. Okay, um, we have some. Um, significant targets to deliver so you, you've got to be able to uh cope under pressure you know we it is a, a performance driven culture um people, you like that i do personally um i think i've i've, I've adjusted uh, my style a little bit over the last four years to sort of fit into the the equons and, and prior to that the energy culture because it is a, a very uh, performance driven uh, organization but i think the uh the rewards are there, uh, and the incentivization is there. And I think it, within that organisation, you can you can grow and develop. Okay, I mean it's interesting you say about p- performance driven. 
Um, because I think some of our listeners who want to go into procurement may not see that as mm. being uh, a high-pressure performance-driven mm. role. Um, but they're obviously uh, the larger companies that, you know, that's, that's a key mm-hmm. KPI. Yeah, absolutely. We we you know we need to make a significant contribution to COP or current operating profit, as we okay. call it. Um, and, and as a procurement line, we're we're a major contributor to the uh, to the, to the financial performance of the uh, of the UK business. Okay, great. Thank thank you for that. Um, so, going into a little bit more about you and stuff, um, uh, Jonathan, what uh, does a typical day look like for you? Uh, I mean, typically it would be um, liaising with most of my senior leadership team uh, across the functions that we manage. So that's whether that would be support and performance in terms of um, accreditations of the supply chain, um, due diligence, onboarding issues, um, category management, looking at where we are with targets. Uh, We have got three main category hubs within the UK, so directs, indirects, ICT and digital um, or it could be working with the, the, the quite large operational procurement teams, you know, okay. supporting on, on, on issues or, or opportunities. So a typical day is liaising with your direct line reports. Uh, and in conjunction with that, clearly, I've got my, uh, my, my other stakeholders um, within, the, within the business from, from finance through to operations or, uh, or other support functions. Okay. So when you've done that liaison and stuff and, and had those... Uh, particular conversations and stuff what what else are you doing um so we, we it could be uh, dr- driving performance within the within the teams um the integration uh, activities are a huge priority for me at the minute so i'm working very closely with colleagues in in, in group level at paris okay so I'll, typically i'll probably spend two to three days uh, a, a month in paris so it's transferring those ambitions into something that's deliverable within the uk okay um uh, but yeah, v- varied. It could be recruitment. It could be um, mentoring. Could be uh, aspects of um, performance management. So all of those. So, is there issues. a lot of aspects of your typical day that's doing uh, a, a reporting elements on very back to yes, someone? Yeah, yeah. Very reporting intensive. Mm, typically, I get that. Uh, I, 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 that seems to be a common thread in the organisation. Mm. So what would you say then to uh, someone uh, by way of advice if they were starting their career off in FM procurement? I mean, I think it's a fantastic industry would be uh, the first thing I would say. And there are huge opportunities for growth, not only within the procurement line, but 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 transversally. So I think okay. there's, there's, significant, there's so many um, um, instances and examples within Equons of individuals that have started in one function and progressed uh, throughout the organisation. Um, I think it's remember that we, as a as a procurement line, we're here to serve the operations. Correct. I think that's something that you know it's it's very easy to become a silo as a central support function, but we are, you know, we, we the, our internal customers are our operational sites. So building those relationships, mm-hmm. delivering on 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 what you've committed to, um, being very visible. Um, they would all be uh, sort of advice and, and and that thirst for continual professional development. You know, there's yeah. a lot of support out there and uh, an opportunity. Okay. So now now looking specifically, let's say, at facilities management, um, do you think has the way that facilities management procurement, um, has it changed much over the years? 
I think it has uh, in a number of ways. I mean, uh, the, the the growth in outsourcing now and the, the prevalence of it is is significantly greater than when I started my career. Okay, that creates some some challenges and opportunities, but there is a there's a, there's a, a growing demand on the supply chain. So aligning ourselves with the best partners and making sure that we've got the right levels of exposure, the right partners on board, the people that that, that can deliver for us changing our approach so we're attractive to the supply chain we're paying them on time uh, we're treating them fairly we're engaging them on the right opportunities in the right time scales and do you treat them fairly i think we do um we're a signature to the prompt payment code um and uh, our, our our the the range of smes that we've got within our supply chain i think is quite impressive and we do lots as a tier one uh, supplier to cabinet office in terms of supply diversity um and supporting our uh, our smaller micro contractors Okay, and that, that is commendable. Um, so, again, um, in, in terms of uh, the changes in facilities management, um, you mentioned that there are challenges. Some people say that's problems. In business, mm-hmm. we like to call them challenges, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, what, what are those challenges then? I think the, the current inflationary pressures would be, would be one um, yeah. challenge. I mean, if we look at um, food purely the increases we've seen in in, in food supply um, in the last 12 months have been very, very difficult for us to manage and and, and mitigate. Right. Um, But I think it's the the amount of visibility that we also need now of our supply chain and the chain of custody. Okay. Uh, Particularly where we're bringing in products from from China. Yeah. And you've probably seen in the news recently, there's a thousand containers held up in America at this moment in time. Yes. and we're under significant pressure from clients to demonstrate that we are at the leading edge of due diligence, that we are, you know, mitigating counterfeit product. We are not exposing ourselves to modern labor, forced labor. Um, so it's creating a lot more pressures um, for us to um, audit effectively our supply chain. And it's making sure that that's um, not inaccessible to SMEs that want to work for us and want to be on our supply chain, that they can cope with the level or of... Or prohibitive. Uh, of prohibitive, mm. absolutely. Um I mean, it's interesting. So the due diligence of a supply chain would come through, it would be the procurement people that would carry out that due diligence, i.e. the modern day slavery uh, aspects and, and people being paid the right things and how they're treated and things like that. Is that correct? For us, it's a, it's a real cross-functional effort. So okay. as procurement, we predominantly own it, but we bring in um, functional experts to obviously vet the information that we've received from the supply chain, whether that's okay. health and safety, whether it's our legal counsel. Get it. Um, okay. J- just to make sure we've got the relevant people sort of casting their eye over the uh, the information that we've been furnished with. Okay. Um I mean, it is interesting because I think in all organizations, small or large, um, the spotlight is getting increasingly on us all Mm. to show that uh, we are demonstrating rather than just ticking boxes in those particular areas um, of governance. Um, So with the advent of online meetings, obviously through Mm. the pandemic and and, and things like that and, and using... Uh, Zoom and Teams, do you feel that this has affected the way uh, strong partnerships with suppliers can be fostered? I think it has. Um, I mean, in the the sort of the early days of COVID, um, we did some phenomenal things with our supply chain in really, really short periods of time. 
over teams. Um, I mean, particularly pro procuring PPE uh, in the huge volumes that we did and making sure that was provided to the NHS. I mean, we did some pretty heroic stuff and our supply chain were phenomenal and that was done in uh, in unconventional uh, means so i think also so did the government i think so i think we have to be careful of that particular one don't we yeah yeah absolutely but equally you're always conscious that there are there are uh, supplies that you aren't engaging with in, in in the manner that you would want, and I think since uh, in recent times we've started to see, particularly with some of our large suppliers, the events um, and, the, and 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 the uh, sort of supplier events uh, reforming again, and it's great to be face to face with yeah. with suppliers, and you do forge obviously uh, different types of relationships. So uh, it would be uh, it would be misleading to say there wasn't any impact, but I think we we managed that as effectively as we probably could. And it's great that we're sort of back face to face in meetings like this. <laughs> yeah, I think, I mean, in conclusion to that, I, 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 I do agree. I think both Zoom and Teams has its place um, mm. to speed up certain aspects and that. But I think it doesn't do away with um, the face to face, yeah. uh, the whites of the eyes and those particular types of um, engagement, particularly if we're in uh, a people business. Um, so that's that's just my comment on no, that, really. I would agree. Um, so do you think, um, Jonathan, that COVID and the way we now work has kept suppliers and procurers more at arm's length than before? Um, I think it, that there are there are certain challenges with um, trying to to run certain activities remotely. I would think, and it's 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 easy to be uh, blunt over a, more more blunt over a Teams call than it is face to face. But I think we've uh, we've been able to sort of manage that as effectively as we as we can, and we're fortunate that with our our PSL, I think we've got some very strong kind of embedded relationships. And whether that's been activities over Teams or face to face when we could, we've we've kept that core of suppliers very close to our organisation, and okay. it's been very little churn and change in that over the last two or three years, which is probably testament to the fact we've uh, we, we, we've been able to maintain relationships. Great. I mean, that, 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 that is good. Um, so, Jonathan, I, I want to ask you, what, what do you think that is the next big thing in procurement for us to look out for? I mean, it was some of the aspects we, we spoke about earlier. So um, I'm sitting on a, uh, an all-party parliamentary group at the minute on AI. Uh, okay. And we're looking particularly at end-to-end -end, uh, supply chain assurance and how AI may play a place in as um, being able to sort of uh, validate those um, aspects of due diligence more quickly. So we were leaning on a, a wine organisation, interestingly, that, that's been uh, that's been very effective in doing that and, and, and eliminating counterfeit product. Um, but I think it's other issues as well in terms of supply diversity. Um, so we have lots of uh, uh, um, positive pressure, I would say, from, again, Cabinet Office in terms of making sure that we are appealing to female-owned suppliers, minority ethnic-owned suppliers. Um, and then it's broader uh, equality, diversity, inclusions, not just within the supply chain, but within our own teams, the people that we're able to attract into Equons, uh, the speed in which we're able to promote people, how mm -hmm. we're addressing the gender pay gap. These are all topics now that are far more at the forefront of procurement than they were uh, four or five years ago, okay. or maybe I mean, even more recent times. I mean, that is very interesting. I mean, you touched upon um, uh, artificial intelligence and how uh, you're, you're looking more in detail at that. I mean, and you explained how um, you, you talked about elimination 
of counterfeit product. Can you expand upon that? Yes. Yeah, so the uh, at the the parliamentary group, um, the, there's a number of organisations or experts that were brought to the table. Okay. And there was one organisation that uh, had moved quite heavily into that field. So it was basically tracking the assurance of the product and tagging product all the way through the full chain of custody. So we okay. know that what's left us, what's left a. Uh, uh, a wine production facility in one part of the world is actually the same product that uh, that we're getting at, uh, at, 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 at origin, basically. Oh, okay, I, yeah. I get it. So it's looking at it more for a product-based thing. Yeah, the the, the the full chain of custody and and visibility of where a product is at all points in its journey through the supply chain. So um, that was a really innovative. Um, project and i think how we transfer that into our business is, is you know i won't say i've got all the answers now but it's calling upon those kind of innovative suppliers that are at the forefront of that and looking at the technology and thinking well, how can we adapt this mm. into what we do i mean it is encouraging to see that the government is also reaching out to industry mm. expertise and recognize that this is an area of change and it's what's refreshing about that for me as well is it's it's not only um, bringing industry and you've also got academia there. Yeah. And I think it's uh, it, that kind of uh, three-legged stool is quite useful in uh, in solving some of these bigger problems. Mm, definitely, definitely. Okay. Um, moving on a little bit now um, on to um, EDI, equality, diversity, and inclusion issues. Um how important are the uh, EDI issues affecting today's procurement decisions? They're, they're, they're affecting procurement decisions, uh, supply chains, and our own internal uh, processes and thinking, I suppose, to some extent. So I, I spoke to you about um, the, 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 the reporting pressures now on the diversity of our supply chain is, is, a, is a constant pressure okay so we're working with organizations like the sustainability school and the supply chain school um, having um, workshops and meetings with more diverse suppliers and trying to understand how we can be more attractive to them as an organization how we can unlock barriers um, but we're doing some um, soul searching internally as well in terms of how can we uh, address some of those issues within our own organization so currently uh, we're actually pushing a, a shadow board project through okay. where we're looking at bringing um, individuals from our networks whether that be lgbtq plus or, or, or single parents networks or our talent uh, communities to think how can we create a platform for, for younger, more diverse talent and give them that exposure to the exec, get them working on, you know, some really interesting projects that's kind of fast forward in their careers four or five years. Okay. Um, and I, I don't want to sound flippant here, but isn't that just a tick box exercise? Not for us. Um, it could be. And I think if the individuals at the end of that sort of 12-month cycle or 18-month cycle feel that they're making lots of recommendations to the business that we then never enact, it will very quickly become a tick box exercise. But yeah. we, I think the, the art form in that is, is really capturing the, the, the new thinking and, and kind of using that to re-educate our own exec okay. and bring that different dynamic to the table. Um, so does it have senior exec... Um, uh, approval or does it have eyes on 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 that or yes is it... so this is a very very new initiative at the minute so we've got a launch of this in leeds it's next thursday with our talent our talent leaders our edi team um but ultimately it's sponsored by the cfo and it will be it will be driven by the finance exec 
And I think if we can prove prove concept there and and and, and drive some really interesting outcomes, we'd look to replicate that at, at a higher level within the organisation and really give it the profile that I think it needs. Okay. And have you won any uh, sort of awards, accreditations in this area yet? Uh, no, I don't think we have currently. But I think would it's, you look to? Yeah, I think we'd really want to target that in future uh, future awards, be it SIPs or uh, or other uh, uh, governing bodies, really. Okay. Um, well, that, that that is encouraging um, to to hear. Just moving on now to um, the importance of sustainability issues mm-hmm. um, with suppliers that you work with. Um, basically, how important are they? So, what's interesting is I think I mentioned to you earlier that we've recently been acquired by the Bui Group. Yeah, uh, and in the UK. Um, the sustainable development and procurement within Bouygues is, is one organisation. So I think that probably demonstrates to you how important and interlinked that 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 is. Um, so it, it really is, um, I mean, the, 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 the vision of Equons moving forward is to be the, you know, the sustainable FM contractor. So I think that really is a kind of central in our vision. Okay. Are you still going to, sorry to interrupt. Yeah. Are you still going to keep the Equons name or are you going to, is that going to morph into... Still to be uh, still to be determined in terms okay. of how they want to move that forward. So at the minute, the two entities are, are sat side by side in terms yeah. of Equons, Bouygues Energy and Services to be determined above my uh, above norm- my pay grade. The normal acquisition <laughs> process, they normally sit side by side, and then yeah. eventually one drops off or something like that. Yeah. Um, but uh, no, that's that that that's interesting. But that best practice, and I think that the, the feedback that they've had from clients and from um, external audit in terms of the benefit of that sitting as one mm. uh, in, interconnected function, I think is, is really going to drive some some benefit. And the, the stuff that we're seeing that they're doing with suppliers in terms of sustainability is really quite um, interesting. Mm. I mean, it would be interesting to see of the two organisations, obviously the one that's acquired you, where the crossover is in those particular areas of both EDI mm. and sustainability mm-hmm. and stuff. and shared information and things like that yeah. so it would be interesting uh, I, I wait to read yeah. your uh, sustainability reports going forward um what's would you say is the next trend in procurement that suppliers like us porky cleaning and support services mm. need to wake up to um, I mean, what I would say is I think sometimes it's, that's a two-way street and, and maybe sometimes as a tier one contractor, it's about us waking up to some of the things that you guys are doing. Because okay. I think generally uh, um, we have some really innovative solutions that are driven by our supply chain. Um, so, I, and, I, and, I, and, I, and I think we, we need to give the supply, so the supply chain credit that there are very few issues that we're wrestling with as an organization that they aren't fully aware of. Okay. Um, but a couple of things that probably are in my mind around that is uh, what, what the technology and how that can help us as a, 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 a as a not only a, a tier one contractor but as a, a as a supply chain. So again, touching on some of the issues regarding capability, capacity, exposure levels, um, taking duplication and waste out of the process, making sure we're inviting you to the right tenders at the right time, mm-hmm. um, in the right level of comp- uh, competition. Um, keeping an eye on your financial performance so we aren't overloading you and we're, we're kind of picking up any signs of distress. Mm-hmm. And then I think the, the, the kind of the talent war is another uh, big, t- big ticket item, not only internally, but within the supply chain, making sure that we are the, the client of choice uh, that our suppliers want to work for because there is a lot of choice out there. There is. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, and I think that people and increasingly um, – I'm not just putting this on to young people, but people are um, 
deciding on those companies and organizations they wish to work for and those that they don't. Yeah. Um, it's not all about uh, uh, the, the money aspect and things. Mm -hmm. It's about the culture and the all the other tick boxes as well. Um, so, Jonathan, I always ask people this question, and you know, it's it's not a, a, a negative in any way, but it's mm -hmm. always if you were to have your time again. Mm -hmm. um, what's your biggest regret in your career to date? I think, um, interestingly, it was probably spending as long as I did in the first role. Um, the family business. Family business. So whilst I had a fantastic uh, time No one to report to, no, no, <laughs> no issues, no KPIs, no targets. I'm sure Sounds as, like a dream. I'm sure as Ethan will, uh, will echo that uh, when it's, uh, when it's family, family money, uh, those pressures can be, uh, can be heightened. But I think whilst that was a fantastic experience, probably a little bit of, uh, a little bit of self-doubt at that early point in your career in terms of your, your capability, what, what, what uh, Moving from uh, what is a relatively small business into, mm -hmm. you know, the, the Shepherds was a was a significant seven hundred million pound group at the time, so it's a significant step. Okay, um, proving yourself to a set, set of stakeholders that aren't family. Um, I would have done that earlier, I think, and the, and the, and the benefits that I got of sort of being in different organisations, working in different functions, um, I, I really felt that I was accelerating the the career once I'd, I'd taken that step. Okay, but you know, looking on a slight positive, I always like to. I'm a salesman, so I like to have a positive mm -hmm. spin on things as well. But surely, in your family business, there were certain things that you were able to take on board that allowed you, when you moved to a bigger company, absolutely, as well, absolutely, yeah, um, a lot of responsibility in the family business very, very early, which, 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 which is a unique set of circumstances mm -hmm. that you get. Um, very, very close to the decision makers. It, it, uh, decisions happen very, very quickly. Whereas I look at the organisation, I mean, now there's a lot of stakeholders you've got to take with you. Things are not; um, they don't turn on a on a dime in terms of uh, speed. No. Speed. So yeah, there's there's, there's benefits and. Yeah, and also probably within the family business, a decision be, can be across the dinner table, can't it? Absolutely. Really? Um, over a Sunday lunch, maybe. Um, so. Jonathan, on the on the sort of the, the the other side of the coin, what's your greatest achievement in your career to date? Uh, I think the, the the thing I'm probably most proud of is when I joined um, the business about four and a half years ago uh, in in the CPO role, which was a, okay. which, was a which was a big step up for me. Yeah. Um, I, I was also dealing with some new sectors, so FM procurement was completely new. Right. Um, at the, so that was a that was a, a really interesting experience, but. Um, for whatever reason, I coincided that with doing my PhD at exactly the same time. So that first three years... Did the years, company fund that or you no, did it independently? I, I actually had a scholarship okay. uh, to do my um, PhD, but I was very much supported by the organisation and they contributed to the uh, to the data collection, which okay. was really useful. Um, but that was a really intense time, with, with particularly with family. Uh, it's a big job, lots of stuff going on mm. uh, at, at, at university, but sort of getting that over the line in the first three years probably of the change and transformation that we did, um, delivering the numbers, um, growing the teams. I think that was uh, that's something that I look back and I think, yeah, that's probably a, a career highlight really. Certainly is. Um, do you feel, I mean, just um, I hadn't asked this, put this question to you before, but do you feel that that is a springboard for something even bigger? 
maybe sitting on the government or something like that to shape things from a commercial perspective or something? I mean, it's opened lots of opportunities for me. So um, I do a a number of roles outside of um, uh, just my my Equon's role. So I'm an affiliate professor at Emelion University uh, over in Paris, which was a a spin-off, obviously, from the academic work. Okay. I do a visiting uh, fellow role at Nottingham Business School and Durham Business School. And they've been platforms, obviously, for the involvement I've had on the uh, the, uh, the, the 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 parliamentary work with the House of Lords. Mm. But I think that I'm hoping it's just going to be a springboard for further progression within the the Equans organisation. There's a lot of exciting roles at a corporate level, mm-hmm. uh, and these are these are these are bigger roles looking over you know multiple business units. So uh, somewhere on the horizon, uh, maybe. Okay, very, I mean, very very interesting. Um. And I'm, you know, looking forward to watching where that goes as well. Um, finally, um, Jonathan, um, what things in life, it could be work, it could be leisure, gives you the greatest satisfaction and enjoyment? It's um, probably really simple in terms of spending time with family and travelling. So they're my uh, two passions. Two uh, two boys getting uh, slightly older now, 17 and 15. Okay. So spending time with those guys. Um, Do they want to go into procurement? I don't think so. Um, <laughs> interestingly, I've involved uh, the youngest boy with uh, some of the parliamentary work. He's okay. on the youth panel for that. Um, I think he's making his mind up about how exciting procurement is, but uh, they've got their uh, bit definitely in business, I think, but um, we'll have to see. And on travel, you say you like travelling? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, we, we, we get away as, uh, uh, as often as we can. Um, so yeah, a few things in the pipeline this year. Which uh, so some overseas travel? Where do you like? Uh, so Dubai is a, a, a family favourite if we okay. can, um, but equally sort of Greece and uh, over in Spain and and just the fantastic the staples really. Fantastic. So well, that brings us uh, to the end of our ninth um, episode of Wear Many Hats um, podcast. We we hope that uh, our listeners have found this interesting, as I have. Um, We'd like to thank uh, Jonathan uh, Sims for taking the chair today. It's been both uh, thought-provoking and engaging. Um, We welcome uh, our support from our listeners and also the feedback uh, that they give. Thank you very much, Jonathan. Thank you. It's been a pleasure.